Laura attended our life group last season, and uh, I was able to spend some time with her and um, read and write novels back and forth. <laughs> um, so on Friday, um, yeah, after I found out and spoke with Mark, I, uh, I went home and I, I wrote this. Um, it is with much emotion that I inform you that Laura Marie, who fellowshiped with us last season and has been a blessing to our DS family, had a, um, a health situation this morning and passed away. Um, sorry, that was the introduction that I gave to my home group part of it, so I'll just move past that and where I started to write the actual tribute. I felt the Lord impressed upon me to write and share the following as a tribute to Laura and her passion for the Lord. After receiving the unexpected news of Laura's sudden passing this morning, I sensed God impressed this on my heart. She had learned to love. Those few words carried such weight. My friend had a difficult life, struggling with a rare birth defect, consequent misunderstanding from the time she was a young child trauma, relational PTSD. She experienced some of her deepest hurts and deepest love from those she counted as brothers and sisters in Christ. She also openly admitted with tremendous regret and sorrow that she did the same. The traumas took their toll, but she owned it and grew. The transforming love of God also had great effect on her life and she gave him the glory. She desired and believed she existed for his glory to be revealed in her. She had much to be angry about, but she learned how to forgive because of her relentless pursuit of Christ and his pursuit of her. She declared she desired to know the love of God, the real, deep, wide, and unconditional, surpassing love of God, and have that love flow through her toward others. We are all weak yet we are also created for glory. This was a part of her journey into love, to understand and accept that her incredibly painful birth defect was for a purpose, for God's glory. In the short time she and I knew each other, I recognized a very gifted, passionate, perceptive, intelligent, and talented overcomer. She knew and didn't apologize for her strengths, and she knew and confessed her weaknesses. She tackled it with the Lord. She grew in wisdom as a result. I'm honored to have known her. Sorry, the phone just did something funny. <laughs> it's not my phone. I forgot mine at home. Um, one second. I'm honored to have known her that she chose to share her life story with me personally and through her book, Living Life in the Gray Zone, a very profound book for this time we find ourselves in as the church at large, as a people. Laura was special. Her relationship with God is special. And her desire for love, to love and be loved, and to express her love through community and worship had come to pass. Her desires have been fulfilled, and I believe now even more so, as she's with the biggest worship team in his presence now. Her relationship with God, Papa as she calls him, and her surrender to him is what enabled her to become who she desired to be against all odds. Today, her greatest love chose to take her home 
on Valentine's Day. She had learned to love, and today he chose to fulfill the deepest longings of her heart. Where her flesh failed, her spirit prevailed. Today, Laura is experiencing the fulfillment of her deepest longing for love himself. Happy Valentine's Day, Laura. Thank you for allowing God to use you to, cho- to show us love. You did it. Glory to God. May we all learn to love. Thank you, Magda. Anise, would you come and please share what you wrote as well? Thank goodness for smartphones. kind of iconic that Laura came in February to Desert Stream and she left in February. She came in the month of love and she was looking for love and acceptance and a place to belong and a family to be a part of. And I know that she felt she found that here in many different pieces and parts. So on the day of her passing when I found out, this is the tribute that God put in my heart that I wrote for her. One day, not long ago, at Celebrate Recovery, in walked a newcomer from afar, driving her old little white car. She was a force to be reckoned with for sure, and as she shared the many things she had endured, I began to understand how she had become so vibrant and strong, because God knew her days wouldn't be long. Laura Marie, her chosen name, became her, as she wrote books by the same. She came in with many hurts from the past, finding here at Desert Stream she was home at last. Laura Marie was on a mission, it was certain. Love me, accept me, until the last curtain. She loved her job, Ginger and Meow, her two cats, fretting when they died, how she would handle that. Laura Marie was a giver of the gifts within her. Building guitars and giving them away always caused a stir. But more than anything, she longed to speak, and on her last Sunday, her voice was strong with no creaks. Laura was, had recently reconnected with a nephew, she had said, and now he was the one contacted, saying she was dead. Laura brought life to any room with her deep, thundering boom, She told her own story called Living Life in the Gray Zone, not for the faint of heart or for those afraid to be alone. So if you want to get an inkling about Laura and her looks, then a must is reading her two books. In closing, I'd have to say, Laura, you will be missed by many here today. But like you... Those of us who know Jesus will ever be on our way to join you and him, I foresee. God numbered your days before one was ever lived. Therefore, we all have our days in his books and, like you, want to forgive. 
Forgive those who wounded and broke our hearts. Forgive those who never owned their parts. And most of all, like Jesus did, give our lives away for others as he did. This was your heart, and you will be remembered for all you were and all your part. We will miss you, Laura Marie, and we will see you again, the healed, the whole, and the free. And that, to me, was Laura Marie. She was a very different person, and some of us knew her differently than others, and yet it was still all a part of who she was. She was multifaceted, talented, gifted, and get right up in your face. Thank you, Anise. Yes, uh, obviously, Martin and uh, Jen were very... This is my, hi, Martin. Uh, Martin and Jen also were part of her uh, Christian family. So Laura kind of moved in with our family. So it's like she became a sister of Jen. And I just wanted to come up and say that she sent a little message this morning because I actually forgot about this. But she was at our house so much, she brought over a mug. And this is a coffee-loving church. <laughs> and um, Jonathan needed a cup or something. So I was just looking on a shelf I didn't look at. And so she sent this message. It said, I love you, a latte, Laura. Amen. I love you a latte, Laura. All right, thank you so much for sharing. And uh, as we find out when the celebration of life is, then we will uh, let everyone know and uh, we'll move forward in that way. Um, Today, I want to um, move forward with a piece in my heart that uh, a couple weeks ago that God started speaking to me. And uh, as Pastor Barry was speaking last week, and we just entered into the, the gifts of God, um, I, felt like, I felt like there's something often missing in our Christian life. And I know it's missing out here outside the walls in, in the world. And I'll give you a little uh, story to explain that. When I was uh, across the street at one of the grocery stores, you know, sometimes you go in and the lines are just completely flooded and you're going to be there a long time. Well, that was me. I came in to grab like two things. And of course, every line is full. And uh, the good news is I didn't have to be anywhere. So I just smiled like I had nowhere to be and walked in the line. I was going to be Mr. Patient that day. Because sometimes I don't pass that test. But this lady next to me, she was so nice. We, she loved horses. So we were just chatting about her horses and all these things. And, but unfortunately, uh, the guy next he, he said, well, I'll open my cash register. So this young man opened it up. You know how they're supposed to say, uh, next in line, would you please come? He didn't. So a whole new group just ran in there. And so we just stood there and said, well, I guess we're not going to that one. And uh, so we just kept chatting and chatting. And then the girl in front of us, her, her till broke, and she needed a special code from a manager. So now we're waiting again. And then, you know, they need codes. And then the guy came and fixed it with his key. And so we're just hanging out now. We're not going anywhere. So it turned, you know, five minutes, six, you're just waiting. And we're getting like three away from the front, and we're having a great chat. And then all of a sudden, the guy uh, three in front of me, he says something to the the young cashier. I'm I'm guessing she's about 20, young girl. And he says something to her about his disapproval of the situation. Now, how many know that this young lady probably didn't have a lot to do with that whole situation? How many know that? I don't even know if she'd been trained all the way. You don't know the story, right? But this guy who was towering above her physically, 
you said, you blank, blank, blank this, and you should have done this, and why is this line moving, and, you know, as if she's a magician. So he was going to get his two bits in, you know, good for him. And, uh, but the young girl couldn't handle it very well. She just looked at him like, why are you attacking me? And she turned her face away because you could tell the anger was just pushing right up, and she couldn't hold it in. She started shaking, and she was running the till and swiping the visa and getting the receipt. And as she took the stuff, she just threw it at him. Didn't even, she wouldn't look at his face. She was so angry. She felt attacked, and she felt powerless. So I'm watching. This is horrible. You know, this young girl, she's throwing stuff at the guy, and the guy's just huffing off, you know. And uh, then you can just see the floodworks coming. She's trying to hold it. She's trying to hold it. And then the dam breaks, and she just starts crying out loud and has a whole breakdown right there at the store. The poor thing just melts right at the cash register. And we're, I'm like, oh, no, you know, it's okay. It's okay. And she's calling the manager. Ah, I, you know, she's just trying to talk. She, I'm so upset. I, I got to, you know, she almost quit her job right there, and she ran off. She goes, I'm sorry my manager's coming. And she just ran off to the break room. And someone else took her job over, you know. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what are our actions like when we're with people? Are we, are we tearing people down? Are we adding to their life? Even when things are bad, are, are we tearing people down? Or when they leave our presence, are they going, wow, I feel better? Or are they going, holy cow, someone took a wrecking ball and just smashed right through my life? Because I think what we're all looking for and this is what God put on my heart, and it's funny, it's right here. I think God, we are all looking for the peace of God. That girl didn't have any. I tried to comfort her, but she was just taken off. I wish I had more peace to give her, but she was, she was gone. And my question is today, where, were you, where, where are you going to get your peace? Where do you get your peace? Because I think there's a trap out there. And I think we've fallen in this trap like the world has, and we think that if we look for it out there, we're going to find it in here. A lot of us are looking for peace out there. But peace isn't out there. And today we're going to talk about where peace is. But it's not out there. It's not out there somewhere. You know, you've heard it before. When I get the job, then I'll be at peace. When I have my first child, then I'll be at peace. Once I get married, then I'll have peace. Once I get that promotion, I'll get peace. Once my salary is at this level, then I'll be happy and be at peace. You see how all those things are out there? We've all, have, you, have you said that to yourself or at least said it in your mind? I know I have. Once this is accomplished, then I'll be happy. But God wants to help us as a church to stop looking out there for peace. He wants to offer it in here. We try so hard to get peace. Maybe once I'm recognized by my peers at work or at church, then I know I've arrived. But peace is not something we can get out there from someone else. Peace is something we have to get on the inside. Peace isn't a place. It's not a promotion. I'd like to everyone take your, take your finger and say, peace is in here. It's such a foreign concept to us here in the West, because we think everything's out there to go get. You know, we're, we're, we're capitalistic, and in Canada, I guess we could say we're a little more socialistic. We're, we're, we're assuming things are out here to take and to, to make things happen for us. 
But God is trying to say, no, in my kingdom, the peace doesn't start out there. The peace starts in here. This is uh, Luke chapter 17. He said, now when he, Jesus, was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, the kingdom of God, God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God, and you've heard this messages many times here, is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So where is this peace? It's in the Holy Spirit. And I love the story at the woman in the well in John 4, where Jesus came to this well, and Jesus said, give me a drink. And she was confused by that because Samaritan women didn't have dealings with Jews at the time. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get your living water, she asked Jesus. And I think that's a challenge. We think, well, Jesus, you know, great for salvation and heaven one day, but I'm, I'm going to go look for my water out there, and I hope I have something. Who's going to get my water for me? What tool is out there? We keep looking outside, and Jesus is here the whole time saying, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up to everlasting life. See, Jesus says, I've got it. And what I'm going to give to you will go inside of you and then shoot up like an everlasting fountain for eternal life, life from you. So you don't have to go out there and get it. You have to come home to Jesus and let him release it through you, and then when you go out, you give it. What do you have to give? Only what you got, right? We can only give what we got. So getting the peace is important. Sir, the woman said, give me this water so I may thirst no more. I think we're thirsty for peace. I think I hear so many people, whether it be online or in person, talk about anxiety, fear, and how bad the world is today. It's just constant. Like on Facebook, it's constant. Just the volume is so loud. It's almost like you don't even, it's just so busy. There's so many voices speaking on there. It almost just usually leads to distraction and confusion. Not all the time. But for me. And I thought to myself, this past week, who is this peace? How can I get this peace? And I wanted to introduce you to the Prince of Peace. This is one of my favorite verses in Isaiah. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to, astor, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From this time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts will perform it. Did you catch that? Not only is Jesus Christ the prince of peace, but it says the increase of his government and peace will be no end. So here's our promise. As, as Christian believers, if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you should expect that not only peace will enter in your life, you should expect that it will ever increase. 
both the authority of God, the principles of God, and the peace of God should be increasing in your life. A year from now, you should say, I'm walking in more peace. I'm walking in more of the principles of God. I, the, the storms that come in my life, what came last year, are no big deal compared to what I can handle now. Because I'm allowing the increase of the peace of God in my life to expand. Because whoever you hang out with, you become like. And when you're hanging with the Prince of Peace, and you're abiding in his word, which is the word of God, you know, a lot of it's already written. It's not even hard. You just have to read it and soak in it. What I mean is just read it over and over, and it just changes you, your mind. Let alone the living word of God that comes alive when he speaks to you. The Prince of Peace when we hang out with him, it increases. So our cry is, do you have this cry in your heart that says, more, Lord? I'm not quite content with the, the peace in my life. Do you have areas in your life that are fluctuating in and out of peace? That's where we go to God and say, Lord, I give you permission to take your Holy Spirit and pour that into that very area where I struggle with. I want more. You know, I found peace with God by trusting him in practical ways. And I'll give you one example, was my finances. When I was 18, I was at a church, and they started talking about tithing and giving. I said, well, I don't know what that is, because my church never taught on that. So I was reading the Bible, and the pastor said, you know, uh, we challenge you to give 10% of your income to the local church. And I thought, okay. So I started doing that. Now, how many know as a student, I didn't have a real big, huge tithe to turn in on the, you know, I don't know if I had anything some days. Let's be honest, it's probably my parents' money they gave me, and then I dropped tied that. It wasn't about the money. It was a principle. But then as I got older, I go, I'm not going to be under the law of tithing. That's Old Testament. And then, the, then, I, then I realized, no, it's not a law. It's a kingdom principle. In fact, when you read the whole Bible, there's people who tithe throughout the Bible. Abraham, before the law, he gave a tenth of everything he had. When he had his great victory. That was way before Moses and the law. So what is the tithe for me? It's a concept of trust. And so I started trusting God. Well, fast forward 15 years. Katrina and I were about ready to move to Africa uh, with our two young uh, ones. Lucy had not been born yet. And God stopped me. And I was my last day at the office. He said, Mark? And I said, yes, Lord. And he says, have you been faithful to me? And I'm looking around going, but he was talking about tithing. It was weird. I knew what he was talking about. I said, well, yes, Lord. I've, I've given you my 10%. I mean, it hasn't been much. We've been trying. And he said, because you've been faithful with me, you'll never have to worry about money again. I said, I don't. He goes, don't even worry about it. I said, okay. And I went down the elevator. and You know, it was like it was a trust relationship. And, and I know the 10% is not a lot. That's not the point. But he's like, how's your heart? And there was so much peace that settled in. And he's like, you know, son, you've trusted me, and I trust you, and we're going to work together. Don't worry about the finances. See, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these practical things. Don't worry about it. So I want to encourage you today. That's just a practical area. But trust God and work out, and the peace of God will settle on you. You know, when I was five years old, I made peace with God. There was a cross like this, and in my little church in Spokane, Washington, the, the preacher said, if you give your life to Jesus, he'll forgive your sins 
wipe your heart clean, and one day you can go to heaven with him. And as a five-year-old, I said, yes, that sounds like a way better deal than this hot place called hell. So after church, I, I asked Jesus into my heart. I said, Jesus, come in and take my sins. I thought this was a great deal. And so I did that. That was the day I started my peace relationship with God. See, we're justified by faith, the Bible says, not by works. So when you begin to trust God, peace enters in. And it was a starting point. But the Bible says it's an increasing peace, right? So that was my starting point. It was a great place to start. So you have to start with being born again. Don't try to get the peace of God if you're not going to trust God with your salvation, with Jesus Christ. Don't try to earn your way to peace. How many know earning peace is not a wise deal? Uh, fruitless, frustrating. People have tried it. The book's out on it, doesn't work. But Jesus is peace. The Holy Spirit is peace. So give your life to Jesus by confessing your sins, saying, God, I can't do it. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I invite you, Jesus, into my heart to lead my life. You are my God. I will follow you. And watch the peace of God begin to wrestle into your life. It starts with being born again. You know, in the Bible, it doesn't, so, it doesn't say to come to God by the law and by warring or fighting. It doesn't say that. It says 17 times in the New Testament specifically, grace and peace be to you from God our Father. 17 times it says grace and peace. Not the law and fighting and warring. We try to come to God so many different ways. But why don't we just come with grace, which is God's free, empowering favor, and peace, which means God's not angry with you anymore. Why don't we come and rest like we learned about in chair one and sit down with God and let him talk to us. And that's what, exactly what happens when we come to God in prayer. And I want to uh, close with this out of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I was reading my devotional book, and the author, Rick Renner, he was doing a ministry in, uh, in Russia, and it was their first television show. And he wanted to do a TV show. So he, they got the money raised, and he sent all of his people out, and they said, would you go and get TV lights, right, because you have to have bright lights to do these films. And so they went all out over Moscow, and they found 40 lights. Now, these weren't high-end lights. It's just what they found. They plugged in 40 lights. It was perfect brightness. He said they were so hot, though, because they're not the fancy kind that he would teach and preach in his suit, but the camera would stay above his waist because he had uh, swim, swim shorts on underneath, and he had his feet in buckets of water, and the camera would stay right here. But you never could tell. And he would teach and preach, sitting down, you know, and then they'd take a break, and he'd run outside in the cold uh, weather, and he'd get it, he, he's sweating profusely, but he said, you know, we're doing it for the Lord. And the camera crew was like, we can't get the, the red the redness out of the pictures. They kept trying to adjust the picture. So he went back in. They set a record that day. They did eight hours of filming, new record for the program. It was so hot, though. So he finally got out. And then uh, they said, Pastor, they said, yes, we have a problem. What's that? We realized those lights were suntan booth lights. And the reason we couldn't get the red out is because your face is burned. He had just spent eight hours, literally. You know how dangerous that would be, right? So he realized his whole body was burned. They, they didn't have a lot of medical professions in that area. They called the doctor. 
And he had been actually looking with his eyes for eight hours. So he said when he closed his eyes, it was like glass every time he blinked because it was all burned. And they realized how serious it was. So the doctor said, well, here's the only thing you can do. They, they bought tons of sour cream, wrapped his body, covered him in sour cream, wrapped his body in plastic for 24 hours and told him to lay on the couch. That's all they could do with what they had. They said there's a chance you could go blind by morning. And so he said, well, this is a scary situation. So he's in utter pain. And his wife, they said they stayed up the whole night. And Philippians came to mind, chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So they kept quoting that all night. They just thanked God for things. They, 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 they brought their petition to God saying, I don't want to go blind. I believe I have a ministry here. I don't, I don't think this is the will of God. And they just called upon God. And they had to do that for two days just to make sure that his skin and his eyes would be okay. And as they did that, he said it was funny. As we kept petitioning God, finally it shifted from a petition to thanksgiving. He goes, I knew I'd never be blind. I knew I'd be fully restored. Because he said the peace came in, and it was beyond understanding. But first, bring it to God in prayer. What is your anxiety in your life? You've got to bring it to God in prayer. Don't hold it like this, like it's a, a, a badge of honor, of, of brokenness, or, or being a victim. No, run to God and say, this is my problem. And you stay at his doorstep until it gets off you. Once it's off you, then you start thanking him. My dad is a good dad. My God is a good God. He took my stuff. He took all my junk. He took it out of me. And I love my dad. I love my Jesus. I love my Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you're thankful. People are like, why are you so happy? Because I was full of stuff, and now I'm free. And now I'm going to my dad's house. I'm sitting at the table having a buffet with God. I'm sitting there. I'm eating. I'm enjoying life. I thank God. And people are like, what's so weird about you? You're always happy all the time. Well, God saved me. God is good. Start with prayer. Let it get off you. Once it's off you, then go to Thanksgiving. It's a testimony, but don't keep it on you. See, in this verse, we learn that understanding a situation is not a prerequisite for experiencing God's peace. How many of you try to figure it out first? You got any sharp people in here with great minds? You know, you're so smart, and God gave you so much intelligence, we try to figure it out first. And sometimes God's like, that's okay, you can figure it out, because, you know, I made you that way, and you're so smart, figure it out. But sometimes God's like, this is not a figure it out type of question. This is a trust me type of deal. So if you can't get understanding on something, put your faith and trust in the goodness of God, the mercy of God. Let him bring understanding in the right season. It's not a prerequisite for peace. You don't even have to understand it. But you can say, I don't know the answer, but I do know my God is good. I do my, my father likes me and he's not angry at me. I've been justified by faith through Christ. Jesus likes me. He's my older brother. I've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. I've been given forgiveness, and I will take that. And then you wait on God and let him do the deliverance. Before Katrina and I moved to Africa, we didn't know what we were doing. We resigned our jobs because God told us to. I applied for a job to, to, for, for uh, missions in Africa, and they called us and said no. We said, okay, that door is closed because we know if God closes the door, you look for a new one, right? There's almost a piece to that. 
And I called my friend, and he said, I said, the, uh, the director said no. He goes, what? I said, yeah, the director said no. He goes, that's weird. I thought God had opened that door for you. I said, I know. But it's a no. He goes, well, you just pray and hold on. We'll see what God does. It's kind of this peace, excitement. Excitement came over me, so I said, okay. So Katrina and I just prayed. 24 hours later, the director calls us back, and she goes, I've changed my mind. Will you take the job? I said, what? She goes, I've changed my mind. I don't know. The Holy Spirit told me to do this. I called the board, and we're changing everything, and you're the right person. We don't care. We'll hire you. I said, uh, can I pray about it? I know. I was really full of wisdom there. And she goes, well, sure. So, you know, 20 seconds later, Katrina and I pray, and the Holy Spirit's like, take the job. I gave it to you. You know, what are you asking me for? I already get... So we called her back and said, yes, we take the job. But it's so funny how in 24 hours things shift. And we just had to wait on the Lord. You can't make someone give you anything. You know, that's not how the kingdom works. It's received. In the peace of God, rest in God, pray, let it go. Because here's the deal. Once you have peace in here, you can give peace out there. Once you have peace in here, you can give it freely out there. That's our role as the church of Jesus. That's our job here at Desert Stream as Christians. When we leave this building, not only to one another, but everyone in public, we give peace. Do they earn it? Nope. Can they buy it from us? Not a problem. Nope. We don't give it to them based on their behavior. We give them based on our Savior, Jesus. Just right here. Why? Because it's an overflow. Remember what we talked about? You fill and you spill. All this stuff in here, we just give away. It's peace. Peace to you, peace to you. I've talked to so many of you. You have great testimonies at work. You go around putting out fires, loving people, forgiving people, helping people. Why? Because that, we're Christians. That's what we do. But make sure to get filled up first every day. Get filled up. Let your tank get all filled up. So when you go down to that office or you go to that workplace, boom, you're ready. When God needs you, you're ready. And you can just put peace into that situation. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and close in prayer. I know a lot of you have, because of Laura's passing, have gone through a lot in the last 24 hours. So, and if you need someone to talk to, of course, the pastors here and the elders, any of the leaders, we want to encourage you and pray with you. Uh, because we believe God has peace in the storm. Because Jesus is peace. And we can speak to those storms because he's in the boat with us. Amen? You're not on your own boat anymore. Jesus is the captain. And we can speak to these storms because we've got it in the inside. So we're not going to go looking for peace out here. Let's find peace in here with Jesus, the re- who has residence in our soul. If you want a, a refreshing infilling of peace, I just want you to put your hands out like you're receiving a present or however you want to do it. And I just want to pray a blessing of peace into your life. Because I know God gave it to me, and it's not just for me. As I've been taught, the anointing is to give away, right? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, with all the circumstances given in the last 24, 36 hours, on behalf of Desert Stream Church, your body, Lord, I declare a release of peace in the Holy Spirit by faith to the individuals of our church family. Peace that surpasses understanding, I release in Jesus' name, and joy and righteousness, and happiness, and favor, I release that in Jesus' name into the hearts, the souls, the minds of every person in this room that is hungry and thirsting. Because you said we shall be filled. So we say release, Holy Spirit be released 
with your fire, your love, your passion, the peace of God we declare over this church. It is a part of our identity. It's a part of our reward in heaven and on earth right now. We accept peace as a part of our inheritance, and we walk with it. We steward it, and we declare that it will increase. It will not decrease, that the kingdom of God will increase in this house, and peace will come forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Well, my friends, I hope tonight you will join us uh, at Maranatha at 630. Uh, Matt and Jess and their team will be helping lead worship, and Chris will be sharing his testimony. And come see Dan and the team. We're going to be there at 630 at Maranatha Church. God bless you.